Thank you for joining us today at River City Church, a church living in love. If you have a prayer need, would like to speak to a pastor, or have questions about today's message, please email us at info at rivercitysmyrna.com. For more information or to give to the ministries of River City Church, please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. God you to be here. This is your word. This is a portion of service that cannot be overlooked. Um, This is worship too, right? And you spoke through it and you passed it through generations to us. We're here now. We're now the carriers of this gospel. Through word, yes, but your son is the word. He's the logos and he lives inside of us now. And so we are the carriers of Jesus and we are now the stewards of this message for however long you decide to keep us on this planet. And you didn't ask us to sit at the table and eat and eat and eat and eat. You asked us to do that, but then you asked us to feed. You asked us not to be fed here in this space, but to feed outside of here and teach people how to eat outside of here. So today, as we talk about the spiritual disciplines again and simplicity, I pray that it would be made simple. Um, I love that you lead well. I love that you speak. I love that your Holy Spirit is alive in Jesus' name. Today... Bring someone to life. I just, I feel like he's going to bring someone from death to life today. I've been feeling that for the last hour or so, and that extremely spiritual. There's nothing practical about what I just said, so go ahead and freak out. I believe it was definitely the Holy Spirit that spoke that to me for someone today, that you're going to go from death to life. You're going to realize that Jesus has been passionately pursuing you, not with anger and judgment, but like the song said, his mercy has been coming after you, and you're going to see him as he is for the first time today. You're going to see him as a loving father who weeps over his lost and goes after even the, the hundredth sheep. Until he finds him. And by kindness leads him back into the family of God. So we just say thank you for that. Somebody in here, I just believe, is going to receive Jesus today. Amen. Good, good stuff. Really quickly, though, at the retreat last week, I just want to get even more spiritual with you. Um, because I don't, I'm not the guy who sees, people talk about seeing angels and stuff. I'm not him. I don't see angels. I've had some ex- extremely spiritual moments in my life that have definitely impacted me forever. At this retreat, um, on the last night we were praying, 
I promise I saw this. I didn't see it. I didn't see it like I see you, but I closed my eyes. God speaks to me through pictures a lot of times. And I saw in the back of the room what looked to be Jesus. And this is going to sound so crazy, but it is what it is. In like fire, but like in controlled fire. Like not, nobody scared walks over to this girl named Kala from Riverstone. Um, does anybody know Kala? Okay, nobody knows Kala. That's great. I just made it up anyway, so it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> making all this up. Just kidding. Um, and he walks over to her, and he, I, I felt like he was t- there to tell me I'm here for her. And so we just like shifted all of ministry to Kala. And, I, and, and God, I saw this figure, who I think was Jesus, take a head. He's carrying around a piece of coal, and he was looking for someone's lips to put it on. And that's actually scripture. He was walking around the room. I think it's either in Isaiah or... I think it's in Isaiah, and he puts it on. It's like anointing the tongue. I saw that happen. I didn't say it. We were in prayer time, and a girl named Becca, who's now the lead, one of the lead worshipers at Riverstone, who was in our ministry, looks at her and says, the Lord is here, and he's got a coal, and he wants to place it on your lips, and legitimately happened. So I don't know why I'm sharing that with you other than to say, God is real. I didn't make any of that up, right? I didn't make any of it up. I mean, you have to trust me. That happened, girl was wrecked, and a lot of things happened, like crazy stuff was happening. Felt like we should sing We Exalt Thee. We did it a little bit earlier with our group, and um, just a cool story about that. Just really cool stuff happening. So I want to say that to you today to say, don't just expect God's work, like God's info to be transferred through this to you, right? It can happen totally in really specific places, specifically for you through His Holy Spirit, and you can even, you can even measure it by the Word. You can measure it by the Word. This is like... The problem to me is if, if God's not doing the same stuff he was doing back then, then he didn't, Jesus didn't die and raise. He died and rose from, that's as, as miraculous as it gets. So the foundation of everything that you believe is already not of this world. So why not believe that he can do what it says he, does, he can do in here, right? Why not believe that he can speak to you and as a sheep you can hear him and literally feel like I'm definitely hearing him? Why not believe that you can pray for somebody and there can actually be healing? Why not believe these things? I would just say for you, this has nothing to do with my message. If you feel like you've, you've got a wall there that's saying, no, it's only for this time, ask why. Interact with him in prayer time. Why is there a wall there? What is it? And you might come to find that actually he's got more for you than you thought, and it could really be an amazing experience for you. You could start to hear God again, you know, specifically for your life, revelation for your life, which I think is just great and beautiful. So, amen. Now we're going to get into some simplicity. Everybody say Simplicity. Okay, so recapping, the spiritual disciplines we felt like we wanted to get into this year because the church as a whole is not super deep, okay? And the world doesn't need a louder Christian group. The world needs a deeper Christian group. My goal and my heart would be that any person that you meet could be discipled by you. And legitimately, you would actually know, how do I walk this person from salvation to, to identity to calling to all the... How do, for you to know that, that's when a church becomes deep. Not when we finally let people scream as loud as they want or sit Indian style and meditate as long as they want. Those are just expressions of something else, right? This, a community that can lead people to Jesus and disciple them, that is the deep. And he's calling everyone to that kind of deepness. You don't need to bring people to me and have me disciple them, right? You need to be equipped in the Lord so that you can disciple That's Christianity, right? We're all pastors. So we've been talking about these spiritual disciplines because they create space for the Lord to be with us. Here's what it's not. It's not religion. If you do these things, you're good. 
The spiritual disciplines, the things we've talked about, are prayer, meditation. These are things that create a space for him to speak to you, right? Huge deal. These things are on our walls. Today's discipline that we're going to talk about is by far the hardest one for me so far. Easily the most challenging for me, the most humbling. I mean, this one's the one when I read some of the stuff and kind of started diving in, I was, I was really um, extremely guilty of not being what this, what this is. And I, I don't even know that I really wanted to change. Um, I, didn't, I didn't want to look at this stuff. And so maybe that happens to you. My, my heart for you is that at the end of this message, at the end of this week, you would let the Lord lead you into simplicity in a way that, that challenges some of the American, um, the national or the, the this is mine stuff, that I deserve this, I've earned this, this is mine that your, that your bank accounts and barns would be full for this life that you won't even be around to enjoy, that you'd be challenged to know that you're, you're not your credit score, that the size of your house really doesn't matter, and that if you have a bigger, better one, it doesn't mean anything more significant about your identity, that you would know that you can actually be yourself. You don't have to try and impress people. You don't have to put forward a better you, right? We all do that, but the the you that's actually you, that that person can come to life and when you struggle with something, it's okay. And when you don't have money, you don't need to buy a new car. Like that you, that you understand like the, the pay later, buy now is kind of like, it's not good, right? It's not a good thing. You know, that's, that's kind of an idea of being something you're not, you know, living outside of your means. So today my hope isn't that you feel terrible about yourself because we live in a culture that is a hundred times richer than even the culture this was being preached to. And so all of us are affluent in ways that we don't even realize. All of us are enjoying things that 98% of the world's population would not even understand. All of us are rich. The poorest person in this room is rich by the world standards by far. By far. You're one of the wealthiest people on this planet. I don't care who you are in this room. You're in the top 5%. So today, my hope is that we would not say, it's my job to be poor, because that's not the gospel. But it's my job to be a good steward of the life God's given me. And that might look like living differently. And that might look like handing over a desire for something that really isn't going to bring you what you think it's going to bring you. That's my hope today. So, but it's the hardest one for me because we live in a society of competing attachments. Um, and a lot of these things aren't even things we need or enjoy. We go after, have you ever realized that? You really want something, you get it, and you're like, huh, not awesome. Like my new car, a year into it, you're like, why are you laughing at me? <laughs> don't laugh at me when I'm preaching um, I saw this happen when I was like six years old I was at a baseball field and it even, I even noticed it then um, my family we had a good amount of money I mean again we were rich but not comparatively speaking and I think I had gotten like a pair of Payless shoes that looked like they weren't Payless shoes you know what I'm saying the ones that like are all colorful and you're like these are going to be super cool and a group of baseball players gathered around me and, like, spent 30 minutes making fun of my shoes. And as a kid, like, who cares, right? Like, now if they did to me, I'd be like, that's awesome. They're cheap. What'd you pay for yours? You're the idiot. <laughs> but at that point, I still remember what it felt like. And even as a six-year-old, I knew that the cooler my shoes are, the better I am, right? Fashion. I mean, Christians are probably more guilty of fashion right now than anybody else. We're the coolest people on the planet. That doesn't even make sense. Go to a Christian conference and everybody there is like super cool and like has the smoky look and is like, 
Everybody walks out on stage, and they're so untouchable. Like I said before, I have friends, and I know people who've been at churches where there's an allotment for the pastoral staff for their clothing. You get $100 per week or something for the outfit that you'll wear. So I was going to ask you guys today. (laughs) I don't have $100 worth of clothes. So it's very much us. Like we feel like if we can portray this image, then it'll provide something for us and we can again portray something that's not really there. It's not simple. You have to keep up with it, and right? And like if you're me as a six-year-old, it's really, can really be deep-seated and deep-rooted. The kind of car you drive, you know? You know, when we, we stepped out of church planning, this is really hard to admit, but really beautiful of the people. I, we had one car and we had two cars given to us, which was crazy. One of them was worth a lot, and we ended up having to sell it because um, I'm skilled at ministry, and so I had to learn how to do other things, and it took me like a year to get like to that spot. And then after we sold that car, we had one car, and then I was driving from Jasper to here. It was really a far drive every day, and somebody was like, we sat down at a table with this couple, and they were like, we have something for you. And I was like, this is going to be cool. So cool. And they gave me like a 1992 Toyota Camry. How awful is it of me? Can I just be really honest with you? I was like, oh, man, that's, the re- that's really what happened in my heart. The first initial response to a gift of a car that probably 90% of the world would freak out to receive somehow ingrained in me was some disappointment. What in the world? Is that too honest for me to be with you guys? That's me being real. I drove it. I drove it and loved it. Didn't have AC, didn't need it. I had JC. If you don't have AC, turn up the JC. See what I'm saying? It's good to go. So I still sweated. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say. You'll still sweat with just the JC. Um, it had a little plug-in thing that made, they, somebody had rigged neon lights in there to shine on things. Like it had a light pointed towards the mileage so you could see it. Honestly, it was awesome. I mean, and honestly, every time I sat in the car, like I had to deal with my own pride, like, and God's saying, this is a gift, you know. I see this in you. I don't even think that you're a terrible person, Josh, but it's definitely in you. Somebody gave you a car that's probably worth $1,000. That's a, that took something of them, you know. Like, so it's really ingrained in us. It's amazing, too, that in our society, there's no hero that goes from, and Richard Foster talks about this, there's no hero that goes from super wealthy to poor, right? All the heroes in all of our comic books somehow go from nothing to mass wealth. When it's interesting that our Savior goes from everything to nothing. Isn't that interesting? But somehow we feel that the prosperity gospel and message tells us that we're supposed to go from nothing to everything. It's a different kind of nothing to everything. And it's a different kind of everything to nothing. And so today it might challenge you. I hope so. Our society's sick. To say yes to it means that we're saying yes to being sick as well. And so we call coveting something ambition we call hoarding something uh, prudence we call greed industry it's just a part of our world if you're good at any of those three things people will let you lead their organizations right the gospel says differently the scary thing is when we say yes to these things we're saying no to other things and i'll read a passage to you in a minute when we say yes to these things that are going to bring us happiness these things we're saying no to things like peace the kingdom of god We're saying yes to worry because the moment we start to govern what's given to us, we also govern the things connected to it, worry, fear, anxiety. These things come when you want a lot of times what God's not trying to give to you. 
I'm not trying to say if you struggle with those things, that you're outside of the will of God. I'm trying to say you need to make sure that your fear, anxiety, and worry aren't connected to something that's not supposed to be yours anyway. Does that make sense? It's a peaceful life we live for Jesus. So I'm going to read you some passages. I'm going to talk about the year of Jubilee. Who, who was raised in a church where you sang that song? Behold, he comes riding on the clouds, shining like the sun at the trumpet call. So lift your voice. It's the year of Jubilee and out of Zion's hill salvation. Hold, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. There's no God like Jehovah. Remember that part? They go, there's no God like Jehovah. <laughs> People running. <laughs> so, so back with me. As Christ followers, we get to articulate the new way to be a people of a kingdom, not of this world, in this world. Okay, I don't know why this has stayed with me for two weeks. We are not citizens here. We're citizens in heaven. We're resident aliens here. We are aliens visiting here. Our true residency is in heaven, which means we have everything that heaven has. Did you know, this is going to freak some people out. You know there's no miracles in heaven? There's no need for them. There's complete, you know, there's complete unity, complete love, complete peace. There's no need for a miracle to happen because it's, it's, it's all there, right? So we come now sent here on mission to show how this new kingdom is lived out. And it's our job now to show the world it's not about how much you make or how much you have. You have to say no to that to say yes to the other. If you're just sneaking in, then you're still going to be tempted by the things and the prosperity and all the things that you can get, right? If your Christianity is based more around what you're getting than what you're giving, it's not Christianity, because Christianity is about a man dying for other people. If what you're getting is more important than what is coming out of you, it's not Christianity. It's something else that's snuck in, and it, you just need to say no to it. And it's actually much more peaceful and much more beautiful if you do. And so I'm going to read you a couple passages and talk about Jubilee. <laughs> I want to sing that again, though. But All right, so God's precaution. See, God knew this even before Jesus came. And so he started speaking about this in the Old Testament. Two things were very clearly important to him, that you would not let wealth be your king and that you would not let the poor and the poverty-stricken people be unseen. So those two things go together. If you do happen to have wealth, we should maybe be the best at helping those people. If you don't have wealth, don't desire it so much so that it overwhelms you. And also, don't fall in love with it. So I'm going to read you these two passages, Psalm and Proverbs. So do not trust in oppression and do not vainly hope in robbery. If riches increase, do not set your heart upon them. And quickly, you can pull up the um, Proverbs. He who trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. And then finally, I'm not going to read you the passages, the year of Jubilee. I just want to talk about this for one second. I sang that song always thinking, this is pretty awesome, right? Like there's this, on every end of every seven years, the seven cycle of seven years, 49 years, maybe 50, depending on what you believe. One of those years, basically for this culture, everything that you owed was forgiven, right? Like, it's the year of Jubilee. You don't have to pay your debts anymore. If you're a slave over here now, you're free. You can go back home. It's like this communal equalizer to say, if you're really stinking rich, you're going to have to let some things go. And, and I always looked at it from the point and the perspective of the poor, right? That's what we sing that song, right? It's the year of Jubilee, right? There's no God like Jehovah. We're going to be, we're going to be happy and free and our, everything's forgiven. And we sing from that perspective. But there's a group of people in the year of Jubilee that was probably the worst year ever. 
right? They had accrued 48 years worth of slaves, wealth, and things. And so for them, like, they're probably not singing that song. They're like, year 48 is probably the craziest year ever. Like, some of the craziest things probably happened in year 48. Because at year 49, they had to let a bunch of stuff go. Think about it. We sing it from the other perspective, right? Because we sing it as Christians accepting the grace of Jesus and walking in that as new creations. But there's also the part of the the body that's speaking to right here. You're going to have to let some stuff go. And it was like God's great way of not letting a dynasty happen. So it would level out the economy. So this would not travel well in our current political system. This would be called something that is almost used as like, like a... A curse word. This, that's God's plan. This is what he did. He was saying, if you're going to be rich, we're going to have to bring it down like this. You're going to have to learn how to see eye to eye. It's not about you gathering a ton. In fact, you're going to have to let some people off the hook. So the year of Jubilee is actually also about you forgiving everyone. You saying to someone, you don't have to pay me back. Right? Somebody borrowed your jigsaw? I don't, I'm not sure if that's an actual tool. Is that a tool or a buzzsaw? There's a bunch of saws. Somebody borrowed it. Year of Jubilee, you're like, you keep it. It's yours. Somebody owes you eight months' rent, landlord, year of Jubilee, they don't have to pay you. How fun is that? Fun for them. They're like, they're like singing at you, like, there's no God like Jehovah. And you're like, I got some Jehovah for you right now. Right? That's the perspective I want to talk to you from today. I don't want you to hear it from the perspective of the freed, because we're the freed. I'm the freed. I live and, and love and want to serve Jesus forever out of, out of a good place. I don't feel like. I have to earn it from him. I'm just doing it out of, but there is a portion of me that's still flesh, the spirit and the flesh fight daily, that really wants a 2012 Camry and not a 1992 Camry. There's still a portion of me that wants to accrue enough things so that I can be safe and secure. Because if I have this set aside, I'll be safe and secure, right? If I have these things, if I have the wardrobe, right? Like if I have this section's wardrobe over here, and I'm pointing your fingers at if I was that cool, like maybe I would be able to speak at a cool church. I don't care about that at all. I don't want to do that. Like all these things, like if we had that, right? So Jesus continued on in Luke. Can you pull up Luke 12, 15, 21 through, uh, 15 through 21? I'm going to read you guys this really quickly. I'm going to read it to you from right here, actually, as she's pulling it up. All right. Then he said to them, Beware and be on guard against every form of greed. For not even when one has abundance does his life consist of his possessions. And he told them a parable saying, The land of a rich man was very productive. And he began reasoning to himself saying, What shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, This is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and all my goods. This almost sounds reasonable, logical, right? This is good, good news. Do that. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease. Eat, drink, be merry. You can be at peace. But God, this is brutal. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your soul is required of you. And now who will own what you have prepared? So is the man who stores up treasures in heaven and is not rich towards God. Luke 12.33, this gets even more to the point that cuts. Sell your possessions and give to charity. Many of you right at that point have already theologically explained why that's not for you today. 
We all, well, he's not really saying, and I'm not saying he's saying sell everything and live in the street. Again, he's not wanting you to have a spirit of poverty, and he doesn't want you to be stricken. He wants to provide for you. He wants to be your sustainability. And if you're already doing too good a job of that, here, let me say it like this. I'm a pastor. We need money. To, don't give it to me. Don't give it to our church. Give it to somebody in your life. If you have too much for generations to come, bless somebody around you that needs it. Somebody is in need, and you have excess. We all have excess. Don't give it to me. And I, I, we need money. Don't do it. Give it to whoever. See, we already, we've already figured out this is not even actually being told right in Scripture, right? I've heard sermons on this. Like, this is not what he means. No, you, you need to accrue. You need to have good credit scores. You need to go to this financial conference. All right, you need to do these things. He's saying, sell your possessions and give to charity. Make yourselves money belts which do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief can come in and destroy. And lastly, Luke 6.30, we're going backwards a little bit. Give to everyone who asks you, and whoever takes away what is yours, do not demand it back. This legitimately, I still do not know how to receive this. I've read this a hundred times. I still do not know how to receive it. I'm so modernized that I don't even understand that. I, I can't even preach from it to you. Somebody borrows from you, of course you're going to text them, right? Like, can I have my thing back, right? If someone borrows from you and does not, and they don't give it back, do not ask for it back. Who has something right now that somebody else has of theirs? Raise your hand. <laughs> so, next statement might hurt. We just text them, right? Like, that's good theology. So I still don't know how to get this. So maybe you all know better, and you can preach to me afterwards. But the, the message is pretty clear. Like, your things aren't even really valuable. There are things that are valuable, though. I want to read you Deuteronomy 8.17 really quick. You might have to go back a little bit. Otherwise, you may say in your heart, my power and strength of my hand made me this wealth. This is what I've heard a lot with our culture. I earned this. This is mine. And it actually makes sense, right? This is the great political argument right now. This is mine. This is ours. Do not touch it. Right? As Christians, every good gift that we have is from our God. Everything. Anything good that you have. Your children. And this is good for in a minute. Right now it stings because you need to know that none of the things that you've actually accrued with the skill set that you think you have actually belong to you. I'm not asking for them. But you want him to take care of them, not you. Especially with things like children. He's letting you have gifts of children or whatever and they're gifts. They're his, and you want that because according to a scripture I'm about to read you, if they're his, he'll take care of them. If they're yours, worry, stress, anxiety, maintenance. Listen, there's a way to live at peace, and there's a way to live without peace. And if you can go with this into a, a place of simplicity with the Lord, and you understand that these are not your things, none of it. This church is not my church. These chairs are not my chairs. The bank account for this church isn't mine. It's not mine. I actually have a rule that I'm not allowed to know who gives what, unless you tell me, which don't tell me. Keep it to yourself, right? And I don't do that because I value people who give more and more. I don't. I do that because I know inherently inside of me there's an evil man that, and here's, here's how it will play out for me. Two people have the same need one night. This person gives $10,000 a week. That can happen. This person gives $10 a week. I want to say I'm going to treat both equally, right? But in the heat of that moment, it's maybe going to be tougher. I don't even want to be in that position. 
I don't want to know. I don't want you to be defined by what you give, right? You need to know that. For me, that's important. All of you, to me, if you ever need anything from me, everybody gets the best part of me that they can, unless I'm super tired and I need to take a breather. And that's just humanity, right? So, I don't know why I told you that. You want him to take care of yours, though, right? I'm going to read you Matthew 6, 19 through 34. You guys can open your Bibles to it. You know, we feel like if we can just get this, if we can get this thing, if I can finally get this, then you'll have security. But if you're going after it, you're the one who takes care of it. Go after what he wants. This is the number one rule to simplicity. This passage speaks the number one rule to living a simple life. And you can open up with me and I'll read it to you from here. Do not store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. The eye is the lamp of the body, so then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one or love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. And here's, here's kind of the stinger. You cannot serve God and wealth. And the word there, just praise break real quick. The word there for wealth, you've all heard messages on mammon. Who's heard the word mammon? That's the word. Mammon for wealth right there. You cannot serve God and serve wealth in this, at the same time. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air that they do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they are? And who of you by being worried can add a single hour to your life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the fields grow. They do not toil nor do they spin. Yet I say to them that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, he will, he will not much more clothe you. You have little faith. Do not worry then, saying, what shall we eat and what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek after these things. For your heavenly Father knows what you need, that you need all these things. And here it is. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. You guys, you guys have heard that passage before, right? I've read that passage probably 50 times in the last two weeks, and it feels like every day I read it, it says something different. It's particularly interesting to me right now because we're in a season at our church where I really want to plan for the future, right? We're hiring, we're going to share with you guys next week, next week, two people we're about to hire. Like, it's awesome, right? Amazing things God's doing. I'm looking to next year. Like, well, how do we hire the next person? I'm looking to how do we, how do we make sure we pay for what we have here, right? It costs money. This passage for me has struck me directly in the heart. You do not worry about those things, Josh. You seek first the kingdom of God. And I'll add everything that you need. And if I don't add everything that you need, maybe success for you looks different than you thought it looked, right? So that's why we're not tearing down these walls by the end of the year. Instead of that, we're hiring staff. We're going to have to fit in here. If we grow, 
It's what's going to happen. You're going to have a buddy. You'll all have a life buddy right next to you in your seat. Because spiritual walls are more important than actual walls. God can handle that. So for me, it's hitting directly home. I trust it. And this is interesting. I trust that with my family. I was able to step away from a huge paying job, for me at least, into nothing. And it was actually, it's here. Isn't that interesting for, for us? That God's like, no, I'm talking about you seek first the kingdom of God and I'll add these other things. I'm talking about here at River City. Don't worry about talking everybody into tithing. That's why you don't hear me talk about tithing. I'm trying to make sure that I seek the kingdom first. I'm hoping that you do that as well. So for me, this hits home to me because I don't want to worry. And I want treasures in heaven. I don't want treasures here. I don't want a big house. We're talking, if you want, if God's told you to get a bigger house, that's fine. Make sure it's him and make sure it's not your end and your happiness. Make sure it's not meant to give you more than it's meant to give you. It's just a place to live. That's it. So we feel like God's asking us to live in a smaller house. I'm not bragging. We just don't need it, right? The only reason I'd like a little bit of a bigger house is to have somebody live with us, which we've done for many people in this room. That's fine with me. But I want him to take care of and provide for us. I don't want my best version of what I can bring in my life. And you don't want that for your life. You want what he wants for your life. And if you place in him your first and most important trust, your first and most important listening, your first and most important advice, and if you can wait for him and not do it on your own, he will take care of it. The things that you have to take care of in your life are the things that you did. So we have to step back and say, Father, I will slow down. What are you wanting for my life? Don't go get a girlfriend. Don't go get a boyfriend. Married people and single people. You see what I'm saying? It's a different America, okay? Okay? In the church, too, it's a different America. Slow down. It won't provide for you what you think it will. It's not going to give you what you think. What is he saying? When you say the words, I'm seeking first the kingdom, what does that mean? Is he enthroned on the very center of everything that's important? Or honestly, look at me, please. Is something else sitting in that seat? Because to seek something else first, first is to not seek him at all. That's how it works. But if it's like having every tube in place correctly. If you do this first, it's going to happen the way that he wants it. And you don't get to pick the things either. It's so beautiful. So, so what are doing things on earth that provide these treasures in heaven? It's things that are the opposite of going after your life. It's serving well. Serving someone. It's suffering for Christ. It's forgiving someone else. It's being on the other side of Jubilee and dealing with it. It's being like, I'm letting them go. I'm paying them back. I'm giving them this. That's what stores up treasures in heaven. Not you gathering and accruing everything you can, right? This is a really hard message, okay? I understand that. I struggle with it all week. I'm sure you are. There's three tyrannies that you're going to fight against that will try and dethrone. The first one is the tyranny of self. That's the one where you want to be more than you actually are for people. You want to be smarter, appear better, have better things. You want to appear like you're the witty one. Be yourself, you want to seek first the kingdom of God with yourself first? Who are you really? Be that with people. Don't be more than you are. Don't overcompensate for you are. Let yourself off the hook. Your identity is now in Christ. You don't have to sweat that anymore. Someone thinks you're not a great person, wave and say bye. It's okay. It's okay. Be who you are, even if it means you don't get what you're getting while you're not being who you are. Step away from it. Be who you are. Be true to who you are, who God says you are. Don't be more than that. The tyranny of self will derail this. The second thing is the tyranny of things. You don't have to have it. Whatever it is in your mind, you don't. You don't have to have it. The car, the other things are not going to make you happy. They're not. 
The new gadget is not going to make you happy. You don't need to go stand in line for an iPhone for seven hours. You can buy it the next day for no hours. I never got, I've never gotten that. Why somebody would stand in line for seven hours and the next day they can just buy it. What in the world is happening? Just wait a day, right? Just today, or you're going to be in a line. That's just crazy. You don't need all of it. You don't, you don't, you don't. If you, have, if you only have JC and no AC, it's really not that bad of a deal. JC's, you know, it's JC. Hmm? They want, yes, that's the, uh, that's the gadget's excuse. They need community for their phone. I don't stand a lot, but it's okay if you do. I understand. I love you still, James. The third thing is, are, you, are we doing this right now? Is this really happening? This is why I stopped sitting in the front row. Yes. Ah. <laughs> I love you. Okay, I'm, I got to get back. The third thing is the tyranny, the tyranny of people. The tyranny of people. And basically, the tyranny of people is letting them decide for you and doing things for others only. It's not about projecting self. It's who does other people want you to be? Stop. Those things will dethrone God. And then the mantra, and this will be it. I'm going to give you a quick thing, and then we're going to baptize people. The mantra for the person who is living kingdom-first, simple life is this. Everybody, I want you to repeat this to me. The first thing to repeat, everything I have is a gift. The second thing is, it's God's job to take care of it. And the third thing is, everything I own, I can share. <laughs> One more time. Everything I have is a gift. It's God's job to take care of it. Everything I have, I can share. Just real quick, is there something you have that you can't share? There's stuff I have, maybe. It's hard. All right. So can you, get, can you go ahead and come up, James, whoever's doing the worship? Um, here's what I want to challenge you with today. I'm going to give you 10 things on the screen, and these can feel extremely religious. And if you do all these, it doesn't mean you're a great person. I want you to look at these, and if one jumps out, your challenge this week is to make one move towards simplicity. Don't just hear this and be like, see ya, buddy. Make one move towards simplicity today. Make one move. And here's 10 examples of how you can do that. Super practical Sunday. Number one, buy things for usefulness, not for status. That stings. Don't just think about cars and watches. Think about clothing and styles and what they might make you appear to be. Number two, reject anything producing an addiction in you. That one for me was the one I was like, oh, coffee every day. Who drinks coffee all day long? Yeah. So I'm saying make movements, right? Movements. This is not a you do this, you're going to heaven kind of thing. This is a creating space to be healthier. Reject anything producing an addiction in you. Number three, develop a habit of giving things away. One of the things we do at Christmas, we give, we give our kids three gifts, and they have to give away three gifts. Just a good model to have, right? Hoarding doesn't do anything. Is there something you can give away? Does somebody, you have something somebody needs, actually? Is there somebody who needs some of the stuff you have sitting in your closet that you don't touch or look at? Ever. Ever. Just give it away. Just give stuff away. You'll feel better. Um, four, refuse to be propagated by the custodians of modern gadgetry. (laughs) 
seven-hour lines. Ask yourself why you need to stand in line for seven hours for an iPhone. Ask yourself why. It's interesting, right? Why? Why do you need that? Number five, enjoy without owning. You don't, one of the great American myths is that you actually own your property when you buy your house. You don't. Unless you pay for it in full, then you do. But if you miss three payments, guess who's coming to take it back? Not you. Well, this is my house. Well, no, it's not. Get out. You don't own everything that you think you own, and you don't need to. And here's just a little freebie. If you rent, somebody else has to do the work. Hello! That's just good. Can, can I get an amen on that? <laughs> amen. Anyway, it's not bad owning a house. I understand that. Um, but you don't have to own everything. You can enjoy it without owning it. Next, develop a deeper appreciation for creation. Enjoy fun things without money. Go sit under a tree. Go plant a tree. Go eat a tree. Go do anything that you don't have to pay for. Teach your kids how to do that. Go to a river. Walk through it. You don't have to go to a movie and to dinner. Do something without having to spend. Does that make sense? Be, be a skeptic of buy now, pay later. Super simple. You understand that? You don't own it for sure. You buy it. It's the same as renting except for you can get more trouble. So I don't get it. Let your, let your yes be yes and your no be no. This is a hard one to understand. Say, do what you say. If you say something, do it. A simple life, if you say you're going to do something, do it. If you say you're not going to do something, don't do it. And be firm with that. Don't explain to your kids even, I said no, I said no, this is the answer, and here's your consequence, let's deal with this. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. If you tell somebody you're going to be somewhere to do something, do it. If you say you're going to be a part of this church to do it, do it. Does that make sense? I feel like a dad right now. You guys are all, you're all on restriction too, I forgot to tell you that, but after the service you have to stay. Next thing, reject anything that breeds oppression. If you remember one main one, let it be this one. Reject anything that breeds oppression. Know what you're buying and where you're buying it from and what they're doing and how they're getting it. And it's not just cool for Christians because we just live in this society and be like, well, it's not a big deal. Know what's happening with what you're buying. Some really awful things are happening in the world and we're actually funding it. So just know that that's possibly happening. Again, don't throw yourself in jail. Maybe this is your movement. What am I, what am I doing? All right, last thing, shun anything that distracts you from seeking the kingdom first. Does that make sense? Super easy 10 things. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. I'm going to pray over you. Jesus, I pray that this week we would carry the kindness and the lightness that you lead us into a life with you with. And we see all of this is about choosing a big better. The big better is we have access to the king and creator of the world and us. And we can be with him always Never in fear, never worrying, never anxious. We can sit in his lap, fall in love with him. These things we talked about today are tools of making sure we're not letting him be replaced. Especially today, Lord, if we have coveted the lifestyle that is promised through money and riches and more, God, I pray that you would just cleanse our hearts and let us see there's much more freedom in the lesser. There's much more freedom when we don't have all. Help us to make a move this week to simplicity to say, your kingdom is first, Lord. You're more important than this. I don't have to have these things. I don't need that reputation. I can be who I am before you, and that is enough in Jesus' name. He looks at us, and he says, just as you are is how I receive you. I don't desire that you stress your whole life working towards something. I'd like it if you trust me. 
that you would not worry about anything, not how you're clothed, not your body, not how you look, but that you would let me worry about those things and that you would worry totally on seeking my face. Let me be first so that you can have what I want for you. Let me be first. Dethrone the thing that sits in his place today. We hand over our greed, God, our coveting. We hand over our hoarding. God, we say, please forgive us as a church, church global, for seeing people in need and not helping them for the sake of a bigger steeple or a building plan. Forgive us for that. Teach us that we don't need bigger barns. We need bigger hearts. Help us today to walk into this week with larger hearts to see those who are poverty-stricken, see the poor in spirit, and to make room for them at our table. And also let us look at our bank accounts and our, our needs and let us decipher between what's a need and a want. And God, let, I just pray you provide our needs. That's what I want. I want. That's what our church wants. I don't want to talk about tithing every week. I want to talk about the kingdom in Smyrna is going to be beautiful. And we get to do that. Now God's going to provide. Through the body, through whatever means he wants. We trust you, Jesus. So we thank you, Father. And today we get to celebrate new life in Christ through baptism. If you guys want to look at me for a second. So if you guys are getting baptized, you need to change. You can make your way to the designated areas. This is tricky for us because we've never done a baptism here, and this place was not set up for baptisms, okay? So we got people walking through rooms, guys dressing over there, girls dressing back there. We have a horse trough. I'm not sure how you say that. Is it French or trough? Okay. It's not trough? Okay. Horse trough? Um, we walked in downstairs with that. There's a bunch of kids down there from the school, and we were like, Guys, have you seen a horse? And they were all like, it was awesome. So, so you guys go ahead and get ready. Here's, here's a challenge to you. The new life in Christ is promised to anyone who would seek him. The gospel is very simple. It's a simple gospel like the message I just preached. Are you hungry and thirsty for something? Are you hungry and thirsty for a home you feel like you've never found? Have you felt misplaced? I'm not trying to convince you you're a terrible sinner, have you longed for something more to tell you who you are and what to do with your life and how to be alive in this world? If you desire Jesus, if you desire to be a part of his family, you can even get baptized today. So we'll give you one song. We're going we're gonna to worship together if you'd like to be baptized. We have five towels of the plush variety right over there. We will not shun you. You need to let me know or Ken, if you can raise your hand back there, him know and we can get this thing cranked out and worked out. All right, please stand with me. Thank you again for joining us today, and please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.